This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. He's done a great job for a long time, but now he's leaving the Sacramento News and Review. And we're sad to note the transition of Cosmo Garvin from the pages of our local alternative newspaper to a real job. And yeah, we know how that works. But I think we'll quote from Jason Ordo, who wrote to the News and Review to say, regarding Ain't No Sunshine by Cosmo Garvin, the bite section, Cosmo Garvin will be missed. As Sacramento's best journalist, he cut through the spin, noise, and the occasional condescension dispensed by politicos and their water carriers. Cosmo reported the news fearlessly and reported it well by putting public service over access or advertiser dollars. His Bites column was a weekly education in civics. Sadly, this is a tough time for Cosmo to leave SNNR. As we enter an eventful period in our civic life, I hope that all of Sacramento's journalists follow Cosmo's example and give us the unvarnished truth about city government. Yes, we agree. It's important to put public access... We agree. It's important to put public service over access or advertiser dollars. In America, too often, the big-time famous journalist is one who hobnobs with those he's supposed to be reporting on. And since he or she likes the limelight, they tend to go easy on their quasi-pals. At any rate, in our second segment today, we will sit down and chat with our pal Cosmo Garvin about his last decade and a half in writing and about some other stuff, too. But doggone it, let's begin today's program as we, we like to do on a weekly basis, looking at this date in history. Our date today is the 13th of August. When, it was on August 13th in 1521, after a three-month siege that Spanish forces under Hernán Cortés captured Tenochtitlan, the capital of the Aztec Empire. Cortés's men leveled the city and captured Cuauhtémoc, the Aztec emperor. This victory marked the fall of the Aztec Empire. And Cortés became the ruler of a vast Mexican realm. On this date in 1876, the German composer Richard Wagner's entire ring cycle is first performed at Beirut, Bavaria. And we can't resist interjecting Mark Twain's comment about the music of Wagner at this point, because it was Twain who astutely pointed out that it's not as bad as it sounds. Actually, we have to admit, we're pretty fond of the ride of the Valkyries. And on August 13th in 1912, St. Joseph's College in Philadelphia was granted the first experimental radio license. Our quote of the day, and I really like this one, comes from biologist E.O. Wilson. Said the biologist and ant specialist, Karl Marx was right. Socialism works. It's just that he had the wrong species which is so much wittier than what I had to say on Facebook recently in response to a friend of this radio station posting a little clip on socialism. The piece is very pro-socialist and points out that the main idea behind this concept is that the rich and powerful don't get to call all the shots when it comes to the economy, which prompted me to post that we've seen just how splendidly socialism has reined in the rich and powerful, especially when it comes to calling the shots in the economy, 
Just take a look at some of these countries we could cite. Nicaragua, the USSR, Cuba, Burma, Belarus, the People's Republic of China, Cambodia, etc. Seems like it worked every time. And our quote of the day comes from a guy who considered himself a socialist, or at least his wife did. Said Albert Einstein, With fame, I became more and more stupid, which, of course, is a very common phenomenon. <laughs> our joke of the day, oddly enough, also comes from Facebook. This was posted by my friend Barb. I'm not sure where Barb got this. But we're going to use it because we think it's in the public domain. Someone posted Facebook. I am trying to make friends outside of Facebook while applying the same principles. Therefore, every day I walk down the street and tell passers-by what I have eaten, how I feel at the moment, and what I have done the night before, and what I will do later, and with whom. The writer notes, I give them pictures of my family, my dog, and of me gardening, taking things apart in the garage, watering the lawn, standing in front of landmarks, driving around town, having lunch, and doing what anybody and everybody else does every day. I also listen to their conversations, give them the thumbs up, and tell them I like them. And it works just like Facebook. I already have four people following me. Two police officers, a private investigator, and a psychiatrist. Yes, I really do have to wean myself completely off of Facebook. But then again, that's our running little gems like that. So what are you going to do? Our anecdote of the day comes from The Week magazine. It notes that Matthew Flores likes to read. The 12-year-old Utah recently asked his mailman, Ron Lynch, if he could have some junk mail to read, explaining he couldn't afford books and that his family had no car to get to the library. Lynch asked his Facebook friends to send the youngster any spare reading material. And since then, Matthew says he's received packages upon packages from all over the world. He now has more than 500 books at home, including the entire Harry Potter collection, which he's excited to start reading. Said Matthew, I'm just super happy. All right, score another one for Facebook. And for people doing a good turn. Our stat of the day is that one in four workers in America is now required to have a license to do his or her job. This is up from one in 20 in the 1950s, according to a White House report. More than 1,100 occupations, including auctioneer, florist, and scrap metal recycler, are regulated in at least one state. This comes from the Wall Street Journal. I'm tempted to say, scrap metal recycler? What are they thinking? And then I ponder all of the copper wiring that's been torn out of buildings all over the place and think, well, maybe they do need to keep an eye on people that are recycling metals. I don't know. 1,100 professions does seem out of control. Our good news item of the week comes from a piece in the Bee, August 4th by Jean Quang, who notes that as early as this fall, California women who have long had to schedule a doctor's appointment for a birth control prescription will now be able to go straight to the pharmacy for the contraception. A state law passed in 2013 with plans to be implemented in October of this year gives licensed pharmacists authorizations to prescribe self-administered hormonal contraceptives without the need for a patient to see a physician. I would say as a practicing physician, this seems utterly reasonable to me. We've got a 50-plus year track record now with birth control pills, and I think we have established their safety record. 
Like any medication, they're not completely safe. They do have certain risks of things involved with their use. But you really shouldn't have to see a doctor in most instances to obtain birth control. Of course, I should add that that opinion, like all those heard on this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. And it definitely does not represent the opinion of certain right-wing Christian groups who favor abstinence as a method of birth control, which uh, uh, has been noted over the years to have its failings. And I think I have to do, in fairness, a bit of follow-up on last week's program where we noted on that date in history that supposedly the Earl of Sandwich created the sandwich. But while thumbing through a copy of Fabulous Fallacies by Tad Tuleha, one of many books we've laid aside for you know occasional use in this program, I discovered the chapter titled The Earl of Sandwich Did Not Invent the Sandwich and Thought I Better Excerpt Here. To quote from Mr. Tuleha, England's high-living John Montague, the, for- the fourth Earl of Sandwich, 1718 to 1792, has long been thought to have invented the meal that bears his name as a gambling table expedient. Not wanting to leave the table or go hungry, he hit upon the meat-between-bread slices as a way of keeping his hands grease and fork-free during his card-playing binges. The good Earl did give the item a name, but the idea that he actually constructed the first sandwich is about as substantial as American white bread. The Arabs had been stuffing pita bread with meat centuries before Montague was born. In medieval Europe, peasants consumed field lunches of bread and cheese, while the open-faced sandwich enjoyed a vogue among trenchermen, who ate meat piled up on top of a slab of bread, and then consumed the impromptu plate or trencher as well. Moreover, among the ancient Jews, a common Passover repast was a sandwich of nuts and fruit between matzahs, with the filling meant to represent the mortar used by their ancestors in Egypt to hold together those strawless bricks. Sandwich historian Anita Borghese calls this probably the world's first recorded sandwich. Well, there you go. And I frankly can't resist at this point quoting from Woody Allen's Getting Even, particularly his essay titled, Yes, But Can the Steam Engine Do This?, which was a phony baloney history of the Earl of Sandwich. Noted Woody, 1725 to 35. The Earl attends school where he is taught horseback riding and Latin. At school, he comes in contact with cold cuts for the first time and displays an unusual interest in thinly sliced strips of roast beef and ham. 1738. After being disowned, he sets out for the Scandinavian countries, where he spends three years in intensive research on cheese. He is much taken with the many varieties of sardines he encounters, and writes in his notebook, I am convinced there is an enduring reality beyond anything man has yet attained in the juxtaposition of foodstuffs. If you've never read any Woody Allen's essays, by the way, do yourself a favor and check some of them out. Some are pretty good. And in another piece which has to be regarded as long-term follow-up, I would cite something I found in another old book I was thumbing through. It was a column from Art Buckwald. It dates back to either 1984 or 1985. Said the humorist, A lot of people lied to us all in 1984, and here are just a few of the whoppers I remember, such as every dollar in the Defense Department budget will be accounted for. 
Also, by merging these two great companies, we will cut costs, increase productivity, and produce better services. Chris, then I compare that to the BloombergView.com piece about how Anthem has inked a deal to buy rival Cigna for $48 billion. Meanwhile, Aetna and Humana agreed to a $37 billion marriage. Bloomberg notes that for consumers, it means our health care will increasingly be delivered by only a few big players. However, this battle between Mothra and Godzilla plays out, you can be sure of one thing. As insurers and hospital networks supersize, patients will get the role of tiny humans standing in the ground between them. Indeed. But back to Buckwald. Again, writing back in 1985, if you ban bullets that penetrate policemen's armored vests, every hunter and sportsman in America will be penalized. And lastly, the FBI does not consider blowing up a Planned Parenthood clinic a terrorist act. And God, did Buckwald nail that one. When I first moved back to Sacramento, circa early 1990s, there was a clinic a mile from my house. Among the other services it provided were abortions for those who needed them. One day, after about a year or two of being openly harassed while they were trying to provide these services, somebody firebombed the building. And yes, as far as I know, no one was ever arrested. So yeah, maybe the FBI didn't take that too seriously as a terrorist act. Meanwhile, every Republican candidate running for president seemingly wants to bash Planned Parenthood. Wingnut Senator Ted Cruz of Texas vows to use any and every procedural means we have available to, def- to defund the Women's Health Organization, including a possible government shutdown. Yes, by God, we had to destroy that village to save it. Writing about all of this in theweek.com, Damon Linker said, The pro-life movement doesn't just want to lower the abortion rate. The movement is led by religious conservatives whose real goal is to roll back the sexual revolution and restore sex to its traditional purpose, reproduction. That's why pro-lifers generally oppose making contraception more available, even though a recent experiment in Colorado showed that doing so reduced the number of abortions by 42%. And speaking of women's issues, and I guess we are, I was quite taken by a piece in the New York Times by Pam Bellock about the sex disparity in how people perceive air conditioning. Note the piece. Summers are hot in Omaha, where heat indexes can top 100 degrees, but Molly Manahan is prepared. At the office, she bundles up in cardigans or an oversized sweatshirt from her file drawer. Then she says, I have a huge blanket at my desk that I wrap myself in like a burrito. Recently, it got so cold, I was just like, I'm going to go sit in my car in the 100-degree heat for five minutes and bake. Well, the point of this piece is that air conditioning in a lot of buildings is calibrated for men's body heat production. This is, goes back to the 1960s when they first compiled this data. But it is noted that basing this on a 40-year-old man weighing about 154 pounds doesn't always work out so well for the ladies. And, of course, the fact that men once represented most people working in offices plays a role in this. But women now constitute half the workforce, and of course, they usually have slower metabolic rates, mostly because they're smaller and have more body fat, which has lower metabolic rates than muscle. Indeed, a recent study shows that the current model may overestimate resting heat production of women by up to 35%. Yoriko quotes a building physicist as saying, many men think that women are just nagging, but it's because of their physiology. 
The piece notes, well, physiology and clothing. The authors note that the model is not always calibrated accurately for women wearing skirts or sandals. And here's a piece I'm just going to have to quote from directly and let it stand. The article quoted the physiologist as saying, Many men wear suits and ties, and women tend to dress sometimes with cleavage. The cleavage is closer to the core of the body, so the difference between the air temperature and the body temperature there is higher when it's cold. I wouldn't overestimate the effect of cleavage, but it's there. And you know, this doesn't happen very often, but I think I'm speechless. Are they saying, ladies, cut down on the cleavage? I I don't know. I know this has been a lifelong battle for me. When traveling with a dear friend of mine many years ago, who was a small female, it was a constant battle where we stayed or spent time with like, I'm hot and she's cold. And I'm sure we weren't the only ones to experience this form of the battle of the sexes. But anyway, let's move on to the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for human-cyborg relations after British sex expert Helen Driscoll declared that robophilia, or sex between humans and robots, could be considered, quote, the norm, unquote, within the next 50 years. It was, on the other hand, a bad week last week for human-cyborg relations with the news that Hitchbot, a talking hitchhiking robot who was trekking across the country as part of a social science experiment, was found in Philadelphia with its head and arms torn off. By the way, Hitchbot had already successfully made its way across Europe unscathed. Said a Philly police chief, I just think someone probably came out of a bar and was drunk and beat the crap out of it. This does not reflect well on the city of brotherly love. It was an ugly week for journalists, or is it Mexico, with the news that last week the bottom of Ruben Espinosa was found. He was the seventh Mexican journalist to be killed this year. Since 2010, at least 41 journalists have been killed in Mexico in connection with their work. Many of those under threat, like Espinosa was, have set up an agency to help protect them, which frankly we hope works better than most institutions do south of the border. I did the disclaimer, right? Good. And it was both, I guess, depending on how you look at it, a good and bad week last week for Simon Dominguez. Mr. Dominguez is a marathon swimmer. He had planned to be the first person to swim the 28 miles from San Francisco to the Farallon Islands. But he had to abandon his quest when his support staff spotted a great white shark circling him. Said a disappointed Dominguez, it was hard to quit. But a shark is a shark. Yeah, especially a great white. You know, I, re- I read about this guy's attempt before he got into the water, and I kept thinking, the Farallons? That's where all the great whites hang out, eat all the seals. And uh, I-, I guess uh, Simon Dominguez learned about that. All right, from the Only in America file, we have this. A New York City high school student has complained she was awarded a diploma 
despite failing grades, so the school could bolster its graduation rate. Melissa Mejia says she was given a passing grade in her government class even though she hadn't done the work. Her teacher admitted being under tremendous pressure to meet academic goals and said it was in the school's best interest to pass her. Yes, but Ms. Romillon asks, is it in society's best interest? All right, a few miscellaneous items for this segment. We would note that apparently um, corporations are cooling on Delaware. The Wall Street Journal has reported that, uh, well, I, I love this part, registered businesses outnumber people in Delaware thanks to lenient incorporation laws and a business-friendly tax code. Today, Delaware is the legal home of 54% of U.S. public companies. But apparently executives are grumbling. There's a growing tide of shareholder lawsuits and new state laws that prevent companies from shifting legal fees to shareholders who sue and lose. A record 40 cases were filed in Delaware last year by hedge funds and other investors challenging corporate mergers. This has prompted states like Oklahoma to pass a law last year to protect firms to protect firms from shareholders' lawsuits. They're already angling for Delaware's business, apparently. And we suggested on last week's program that you might want to tune into the last Daily Show. And uh, unfortunately, probably a few of you took our advice. We apologize for this. We took our own advice and were sadly disappointed by the rather lame program that uh, John Stewart ended his run with. This reinforced for me why it was that I um, that I didn't regularly watch The Daily Show. Although John Stewart was a hell of a lot better than Craig Kilborn. I know John Stewart wasn't always the best interviewer. He's taken some heat for a recent one of his last interviews conducted with Tom Cruise, where he just uh, talked all about uh, the whiz-bang latest Mission Impossible movie and studiously avoided any of the uh, talk he might have had about... Uh, Mr. Cruz's relationship to the Church of Scientology, where he's widely considered to be the number two honcho in the organization after the ruthless troll at the top, David Miscavige. Anyway, John, John Stewart undeniably has talent, and we, we, we do wish him well. One thing I find a hell of a lot more frustrating than The Daily Show is the fact that, um, well, down in the Indian Ocean, on the island of Réunion, Pieces of wing from a Boeing 777 washed ashore last week. This, of course, is the same make of aircraft as the ill-flated Malaysian Flight 370, which plain old disappeared last year. It was noted in the media that there were no missing 777s, period. Well, aside from Flight 370. So you'd think that when the wing washed ashore... They would say, well, yes, at last we have a piece of the aircraft. But no, no, they didn't say that. The French investigators in Réunion, and Réunion is a French territory, would only say that there were very strong presumptions that the wing part, called a flapperon, technically wasn't really the wing itself, was from the plane. People report this as saying, investigators are nearly certain they found the first physical evidence of the plane. Nearly certain. This did give the Malaysian government a chance to make up for its uh, ham-fisted handling of this crisis last year when, when at least the Malaysian prime minister announced that the wings parts found in Reunion had been conclusively confirmed to be from the plane. Duh! Anyway, we hope some light can be shed on this mystery by, uh, you know, more pieces that may wash ashore. And finally, 
we at Radio Prague's will generally go five miles out of our way not to promote anything going on at a casino. But we did note several years back that we did travel over to Cash Creek, where, frankly, we wish they'd never built a casino, to see this Mother's Brothers in action. This is after Dick's Mother's had appeared on this program. He was very friendly and suggested that I come by after the show and say hello. But uh, when I approached their manager with, a suge- with that suggestion at the end of the show, he seemed about as open to that idea as the folks at the country club might be to inviting in a bunch of Black Panthers to play a couple rounds of golf. With all that said, I did notice that coming up at Cash Creek later in the month of August would be the Pointer Sisters, and I've always thought they would be cool to see. But what really snagged my attention was the August 15th visit, that would be day after tomorrow, by B.J. Thomas. While over the years we've admired some of the work of B.J. Thomas, the main reason I'm bringing this up is that it gives me the chance to use as bumper music... Yes. Hooked on a feeling. I know this is not a universal opinion, but if you don't like this song, I I think there's something wrong with you. Anyway, I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax, and when we come back, we're going to speak with our good pal, Mr. Cosmo Garvin. <laughs> 